This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. First up today, we're going to be hearing from Berse about some new guidelines they're proposing to address unfair advantages that the incumbent government, uh, caretaker government might have and use in the upcoming state elections. Now, this is something that's called uh, incumbency advantage and that's what these new guidelines are hopefully going to address. Um, and Berse said that essentially state governments right now are in, or rather affected state governments right now are in caretaker mode and therefore should not be using state resources to campaign or to make any major allocations. Um, the Berse's chairperson, Thomas Fan did acknowledge that there are no laws that forbid a federal government from functioning during state elections, but all parties should compete fairly so that voters aren't unduly influenced by parties who have access to state resources and machinery. Yeah, the, the power of incumbency is actually also uh, part of the analysis of different countries with their systems. Uh, so there's nothing unique to Malaysia. Uh, in the American system, incumbency is often the reason why uh, presidents uh, will win a second term. It didn't happen with Trump uh, for all kinds of other reasons. But yeah, the power of incumbency there is, I think it's just a kind of institutional kind of, maybe it's inertia in terms of the population also, which just tend to vote the person you already know, the devil you know rather than devil you don't, as it may be. Uh, but yeah, but when they use trucks and cars and, and television, that's when it really becomes unfair. And the, We talked about the conundrum of the unlevel playing field in Malaysia for decades now. Yes, so um, this is something that we are going to be talking about very shortly with uh, the chairperson of Bursay, Thomas Fan. It's worth saying that the proposed guidelines are centred around the no to three C's principle. Uh, those three C's are condition, campaign and candidates. Just hold on to that thought because we will return and explore it in more detail with Thomas very, very shortly. But in the meantime, let us know, are you in support of guidelines that would help to prevent incumbent governments from exercising unfair advantages in elections. Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Best flipping moments. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 5.11 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about new guidelines that Berse uh, is proposing to address unfair advantages that the incumbent government might have and be able to utilise in the upcoming state elections. We're asking you, are you in support of this? What do you think? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now, we have Thomas Fan, chairperson of Bursay. Thomas, always good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So firstly, maybe you can talk to us about uh, what the main reasons were for putting these guidelines together. Has the use of government resources by caretaker governments been a common practice prior to this? Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, I think the abuse of state resources and machinery has been very much part of our political culture during elections. But I think over the last um, election cycle, I think from G14 and 15, um, guidelines has been issued I think, by the chief secretary uh, to the government 
to kind of like uh, give a, a guideline on how uh, a caretaker government is expected to behave. Uh, no major policy announcement, no major allocations or use of uh, state machineries or even vehicle. But still, we, we did uh, record uh, some of these abuses. Um, but I think in this particular uh, state election, the six state elections, we are seeing uh, something that we have not seen previously, simply because of the decoupling of the state election from the general election. So we have a situation now where the six state assembly have been dissolved and the six state government are in caretaker mode. But we have a situation where the federal government uh, is not in caretaker mode and in our view should not be because you can't uh, have the federal government uh, stop functioning just because a state is going to have an election. So then we had to think through, then how do we regulate? Because quite clearly over the last few weeks, we have been uh, seeing the federal government on the ground campaigning and announcing allocations and, and projects uh, uh, almost on a daily basis in the six states. So we came out with this uh, guideline to uh, propose some, some fairness uh, in the election. Thomas, can you give us more examples of what it means to abuse government resources? Is it, uh, you know, finances? Or does it go beyond that? Uh, yeah. Um, fi finances is one, one big thing. Uh, always a, a good way to fish for votes. Uh, so we have always uh, seen that during election or just before the election is announced, uh, ministers or prime ministers will go to that constituency, even a by-election, and hold a ministerial program where they announce uh, allocation and uh, projects for that particular constituency or that state. So this has been going on. Uh, but what we are, are looking at uh, going beyond is um, it's really like announcing uh, a new policies as well. Uh, projects, uh, for example, I think one one that happened recently was uh, when uh, the transport minister Anthony Lok uh, in a, in a Jarama announced that uh, the LRT from Penang will now go to Sabarang Praia as well, all the way at the instruction of the Prime Minister. So, of course, to loud cheers. Um, so, we, we see that as uh, an, an uh, abuse of uh, government power and resources in that case. So, simply put, how much of an impact can state resources and machinery have on a party or coalition's ability to win? Uh, obviously, I think to the voters, they are looking at... Uh, at uh, the kind of promises made. And um, one, one of the things that we put down as, as uh, our three Cs, one of the Cs, no condition, should be attached to it. In other words, if the minister has said that if my government or my party wins, then you will get this LRT uh, or this project. That is uh, conditional upon a win. So I think that can sway voters, but um, really I think a lot of time it doesn't because we have seen 
over the last two election cycle, general elections, uh, the incumbent government you know, were throwing goodies and everything, and still they lost. Still they lost. I think there are more important things uh, to voters, and that is good governance, uh, dealing with corruption. Uh, these are the, the things that matters. But uh, in some areas, may, uh, perhaps even rural areas, uh, where uh, a promise of a monetary or uh, a project can, can sway those voters. So, Thomas, you've mentioned one of the C's. Could you talk about uh, the other two C's then? Sure. So the first C is no condition should be attached to any promises made by the federal government in this case. Uh, the second C is no campaigning. In other words, if there's going to be any announcement from the government, the federal government, it should be done in a government program. A government program, uh, and there should not be any uh, in the speeches uh, alluding to voting for the party or the coalition or having the candidate standing on the stage or even in the audience and pointing to the candidate or have any party symbol or logo. So there should not be any campaigning, the second C. The third C uh, is uh, no candidate. Uh, no candidate should be, should be uh, uh, present in government functions unless the minister himself is a candidate in that state election. Uh, but even then, I think there has to be uh, a line drawn that it is clearly a government function and there should not be any attempt to uh, fish for vote by promising more goodies to come if I win the election, but in the you know in the capacity as a minister. So the three C's are condition, campaigning, and candidates. So if we look to a, a an ideal situation, really, where parties and politicians do adhere to these guidelines, what else could be done to bolster accountability and transparency? Yeah, I I think the. The, a clear guideline need to come out, not just from Brussels. I think why we we uh, came up with it because really, not only is there no law to regulate this area of caretaker uh, government or in this case a non caretaker government in a state election, uh, there is no guideline in this case for a non caretaker government like the federal government when states are having. Election. So I think for us, we realize that there is a sort of a loophole here. So we propose this guideline and what we hope is that the, uh, the real authorities, the election commission and also the chief secretary of the government can actually come up with an official guide, guideline uh, to the parties and also to the public so that we, the public, can hold uh, the politician accountable. Because in election, what's important is fair play, fair play. And, uh, people need to know that the election uh, was on a level playing field and all parties had an equal opportunity to present their case for the voter, not one that is uh, disadvantaged because they do not have access to certain resources that the other party in government has. So that is important because when people perceive that the election is not fair, then there will be question mark over the outcome of the election, whether the government or the party that was elected uh, was uh, fairly elected. In, if people's perception that it's not fair, then there will be a rejection of that government uh, in, in that election.
Thomas, can we just deal with the question of you know what a caretaker government should look like, what it what we have at present? Um, could it be that the caretaker government is given to uh, a truly neutral party or persons, and that literally the outgoing government vacates their official premises? Is that is is that practice anywhere in the world? Could that be a practice here? And would that be uh, would that create more problems than it solves? Actually, yes, I I, I think that. That has been uh, practiced in some country, if my memory serves me right, uh, countries like Pakistan, you know. Uh, but in my view, uh, it's not necessary in our election simply because our election uh, period are really not that long. Uh, by law, uh, the election must be called within 60 days after um, the assembly or parliament has been dissolved. And uh, usually it's a lot less than that. And I think to uh, hand over uh, the running of the government to a temporary caretaker body um, is not necessary simply because we do have the administrative government, the civil service in place. Uh, They continue to function. Um, uh, Take, for example, a current issue right now in Thailand. They, they had their election like more than a month ago, uh, yet there is no prime minister elected, no government per se, but their civil service continue to run the country. We did not see the country collapsing as a result. So I think that is, is there, but what we need is clear guideline for the, the uh, incumbent government, what it means to be in caretaker mode. I think we want to start with guidelines. Uh, if they adhere to the guidelines, then it's fine. Like a lot of countries, uh, they have guidelines for caretaker government. They don't need to have law. But only when you can continue to violate the guideline, that then we have to think about having a law to, to punish uh, violation of this guideline. But I think for now, a clear guideline is what we need from the authority. And... From the point of view of the public then, what can we do um, to, to ask for, for this, to push for these guidelines, to demand for accountability? Certainly. I mean, uh, the members of the public can call out um, abuses by, by uh, incumbent government and, and, and on social media. But, and they also groups can also support calls like, uh, like this from us for a kind of guideline. And, you know, I, I remember some years ago, several years ago, maybe five, six years ago, the idea, even the word caretaker government is not something common and you hear a lot. But because of civil society and people like us uh, calling for it and pro- proposing guidelines back then, a few years ago, now is normalized for uh, the, the state secretaries and chief secretary. Uh, once uh, the assembly is dissolved, they issue a, a written guideline uh, for what for what it means to be a caretaker. So I think uh, this is required um, for people to voice out uh, and uh, for people to put pressure. Because at the end of the day, the people will judge the candidates and the parties. If you find a party that constantly abuse state resources for their own self, uh, it's time to, I think, reject uh, such a party. I mean, we saw that uh, in in the past uh, when when we it was quite normal, almost uh, unexpected uh, that the incumbent government 
food abuse. But now I think they are more guarded, they are more careful, and uh, we want to come to a place where uh, it is really uh, totally unacceptable when there's any abuses and they will be called out and punished at the polls. Thomas, that's very high-minded, but I wonder if there's a segment of the public who recognises during the election campaign period, it's a period of the greatest leverage they will have with politicians, right? And they want those goodies. I mean, this is the one time that the politician has to actually deliver. I mean, what would they say to uh, these guidelines? Well, you know, of course, uh, we don't expect um, everyone to agree, but uh, I think it is our role and our responsibility to set the high, the bar high, uh, so that we can uh, achieve that. Um, if if there, if we uh, kind of like become realists uh, and play a real politic and and lo- lower standards and principles, simply because that's what people like. But I I, I think we 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 want to to set the bar high, so that. Uh, uh, eventually, we'll come to that place where people realize that, hey, you know, I mean, if, if the, the candidates or the government is willing to buy your votes by giving you goodies, please believe me, they didn't use their own pocket money to pay you the money and, and give you the goodies. They are using your taxpayers or our taxpayers' money to buy you, which means that after they win, they are going to get their returns on investment. There will, there will be corruption, there will be waste, they, they will recoup whatever they paid. So is that the kind of uh, government we want? No. We want a different kind of government that uh, stand by fairness, by fair play, and that is clean. Uh, so um, I would say we want to think the long term. Thomas, we have a couple of minutes left with you. I, I know you mentioned earlier that if guidelines work, we, we push for that first, we start there. If they work, then good. Uh, that's what we can have. But ultimately, should we be working towards enacting laws to prevent this uh, use and abuse of government resources in this period? Is this something that can be done? It can be done. It can be done. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's how laws come about. You know, it, it starts with uh, some guidelines. And when people do not uh, adhere to guidelines, then laws have to be made so that uh, punishment can be attached to violations. Uh, in this case, uh, we, we, we believe that uh, uh, we want to look at guidelines first. Because don't forget, you know, now, now it's quite a different scenario. All parties, all coalition have been opposition and have been in government. They know what it feels like, you know, to be uh, on the receiving end of unfairness. So it is time. It is time, I think, that we start to uh, compete fairly uh, during elections. Thomas, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Most welcome. Thank you. That was Thomas Fan, chairperson of Bursay, taking us through uh, some guidelines that they are proposing in order to curb incumbency advantage uh, that will allow essentially the incumbent government to make use of resources uh, to campaign or to, you know, essentially allocate all sorts of things that we discussed. Let us know. Um, is this something that you're in support of? What do you think? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9.
It is 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We started off our show today by hearing from Berse about new guidelines that they have proposed that they hope will address unfair advantages that the incumbent government might have in state elections, uh, actually in elections as a whole, but in this context, in the upcoming state elections. And we were asking you for your thoughts. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, it's worth mentioning, I think, before we get to uh, the messages, that the guidelines that they're proposing are centred around the no to three C's principle. So if you missed our interview with Thomas Fan earlier, um, the three C's are condition, campaign and candidates. So essentially, condition covers the fact that no conditions should be attached to the fulfilment of any announcements or allocations made to voters. Um, no campaign, I think is quite straightforward. And uh, no candidates, meaning no candidates should be present in federal government functions unless they are actually ministers themselves and so on and so forth when announcements are made so they don't get to bask in the afterglow. Uh, so yeah, let us know what you think. We do have a message that came from Thomas who says... Um, I don't agree with Bercy citing that the incumbent cannot make promises while the same doesn't apply to the challenger. Politicians exist to make and deliver promises to better the life of the rakyat in their area. And if the incumbent can make things happen, then why not? Uh, it's very interesting that um, you sense uh, a kind of asymmetry in the guidelines, that it, this is going to hobble the incumbent uh, more than it is the challenger. But I think w the way I see it is that Bercy is coming... Um, at this from a long history of the abuse of government machinery and very simple ways that it can do that, right? Uh, using the cars and trucks and using, um, if you control the federal government, uh, television time, radio time uh, to, pu uh, to put out the, um, the message. So uh, I, I think maybe these guidelines can be tweaked in the future, but the, I, the idea really is to level down. If you have an advantage, to reduce the ability to use that advantage. Well, actually, Thomas, I'm interested in uh, another part of your message, which is politicians exist to make and deliver promises. Because I, I think that you could argue that there's some truth to that. But I think, um, I'm assuming that you caught the interview with Thomas. So um, in that interview, Thomas Fan, not... Uh, Thomas, the listener, um, essentially said that the hope is to actually refocus things away from promises and away from allocations towards things like governance and transparency and that being the thing that politicians use to to sell themselves and you know their their coalition not necessarily saying well look at all the things that I can give and and I think that that can be quite distant right now from many people but it would be nice to to picture a world in which that's the case, right? Um, because ideally, people should in any way just be making promises close to elections. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of sympathetic to Thomas Tan, the uh, listener. Uh, Thomas, because you, in some ways you're right. Uh, mm. Even the, the, the promise of good governance is a promise, right? So it's not a promise of a handout or a land title or something very concrete and material. But yes, political parties have programs and programs will include uh, who they think needs help. And they might say, well, the B40 needs help and this is what we would do. We would do uh, uh, greater tax and transfer programs uh, and, you know, we would... Uh, 
create subsidies. I mean, that's a promise that has a material thing, but it's not something you get. I mean, not like a land title that we've seen happen uh, for giving, being given away during elections. But yeah, so there is a fine line between the types of promises that uh, politicians produce. Keep those thoughts coming. Uh, are you in support of guidelines that would help to curb incumbency advantage during elections. Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.